locked into the Daily Roundup on this, a Monday, March 27th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know, folks, that today is Quirky Country Music Song Titles Day? Yes, it is. And, <laughs> and my friend's favorite Quirky Country Music Song Title is, I Still Miss You, Baby. But my aim is getting better. She is the she-devil <laughs> with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? You know, I'm great. I'm just really grateful that you didn't say the streak. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, could have been a lot worse. David, you look great. Did you have a great weekend? Oh, Sheila, you cut out there for a second. What, what was that last question? Oh, I was complimenting you. So that was oh. the internet gods making sure that you never heard it. Uh, I said, you look great. Well, I, it, and I was wondering if you had a restful weekend. You know what? Um, we were on surveillance on the weekend for someone whose name I dare not mention. It's kind of like, what is it? Voldemort from uh, the Harry Potter books. <laughs> But when we catch this person, boy, it's going to be a great video. And uh, no, I'm not talking about someone like uh, Mr. Dong, uh, the now independent city. Stop. <laughs> Although it would be good to run into him, except that because uh, he's in um, uh, full uh, uh, groundhog mode, uh, Sheila. You, even his uh, constituency office is locked down. So um, and we're going to be talking about the latest developments with him uh, later on. But uh, how was your weekend? You you said in the morning meeting, it's still like minus 14. Sheila, we're almost into April. What's going on? Well, this is Alberta. What do you mean? What's going on? <laughs> There's a reason they gave the land away for free around here. Um, I was just going to point out it's uh, also National Whiskey Day and National Viagra Day. So I don't know. Look out, Lady Menzies. Ah, <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> National Viagra Day. At, at least that's, I guess, a kind of medicine, med, you know, pill that we can thank Pfizer for inventing as opposed to the, uh, you know what, I don't want to get into trouble on YouTube. But I guess when you think of it, if it is National Viagra Day, Sheila, uh, today might be a longer day than June 21st, the, the uh, first day of summer. <laughs> You know, and we, you know, I'm going to have to, I never should have mentioned it. I'm going to move this along a little bit. Um, it's also, uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to bail you out before you get us both in trouble. And it would be exactly my fault right now. I think, uh, actually in about two hours from now, the regimental funeral starts for constables, Travis Jordan and Brett Ryan. They were mm -hmm. the two Edmonton police officers who were fatally shot on March 16th while responding yeah. to a family dispute at an apartment complex here in Edmonton. So I just thought I would take a second as the editor-in-chief to stop and acknowledge the service and sacrifice of these two men, but also of their families as well. Uh, behind every police officer is a family who wishes them well and hopes for the best when they go out the door. And this is their absolute worst nightmare. You know, Sheila, um, what are your thoughts in terms of, I think when a police officer gets killed in the line of duty, I think there should be an added penalty to that. Right now, we only have um, first-degree murder. A so-called life sentence is 25 years. Um, 
that means when the assailant gets out, he's only going to be, I, I think, in his early 40s. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm on record. I completely support the death penalty. I think it was terrible when we got rid of that. But if that's a non-starter politically, can we at least have a penalty when we say you're sentenced to life? It means the end of your miserable life, that you are behind bars, no chance of parole. Because uh, what we have right now is a joke, Sheila. And I think even if it's going to be capped at 25 years, maybe an extra 10 or 12 years if you are a police officer in the line of duty getting shot because, you know, no one should get up to go to work in the morning and end up, you know, with a bullet in their body. Um, this is such a horrible tragedy, what happened in Edmonton. And uh, I don't think there's any justice if this person is con convicted of only getting 25 years in the slammer. Uh, yeah, it's... I think we should at least do the very bare minimum here. I'm almost absolutely certain that this is going to be um, concurrent sentencing as opposed to consecutive sentencing. Um, can we, if we're going to get two 25 year life sentences, let's make two life sentences, 25 and then 25. But ultimately what's going to happen here is this is going to be concurrent sentencing. And I think that is an abomination because it yeah. doesn't acknowledge uh, the two crimes the two lives lost, the two sacrifices made. Awful. Okay, well, uh, on a sad note, let, <laughs> let's, uh, hopefully, I didn't just uh, ruin the mood of the show, but maybe we should get into some of the other news of the, of the day, and I should tell everybody what we're doing before we um, do that. So this is yes. the Rebel Daily Roundup. Um, it's normally hosted by David Menzies, who is far more upbeat than I started the show off. Um, and... Uh, it's also co-hosted by me and some of the other, uh, as we say, on-air talent, but they're far more than talent. They're trained, well, not trained, but they're broad, I guess I do the training, so maybe they are trained, broadcast professionals. Um, and we stream on YouTube, although YouTube is a censorship platform, so we're completely demonetized over there. And also they don't allow us to say all the things that we wanna say, but we do have like, you know, a, a million plus eyeballs over on YouTube. We don't want to abandon you if that's the preferred way that you want to watch us. But if you want to support a couple of platforms that are a little more free speechy um, and frankly don't care about your political viewpoints, which is exactly how I like it, um, might I suggest you watch us over on Rumble and Odyssey, although we are also streaming on Twitter and Getter. So if you watch us on Rumble or Odyssey, you can take the show in your own direction. You can leave a paid chat a question, query, comment, story, idea. Um, and we will do our best to, well, we try, we aim to read those sort of as the show goes, but quite often they sort of get left to the end because there are just so many things to talk about, especially since today is Monday. So we have the whole like Friday news drop, how the liberals love to drop stuff on a Friday, hoping that it'll die over the weekend and then everything happening today. So um, anyway, if you want to leave us a paid chat, support the work that we do, I suggest Rumble and Odyssey. Indeed. And I guess the big story, uh, Sheila, is that even though a pact was signed months ago, finally <sighs> new rules are in effect at Roxham Road. Um, are they? <laughs> well, that's the devil's always in the details, isn't it? I mean, we must uh, point out that uh, to date, there's been 45,000 migrants, that's the estimate, uh, who have crossed into Canada illegally uh, from the United States. 
Uh, Since the when? vast majority are economic migrants. It is absolutely the most unfair thing that's ever happened because all those immigrants that are in line doing the paperwork, going through immigration lawyers, waiting their turn to get into Canada illegally. Well, I mean, the Justin Trudeau liberals are basically saying, what a bunch of saps you are. Just get on a bus to Plattsburgh, New York, cross over and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police become glorified bellhops and cart your luggage in. But when it comes to, and, and by the way, we should say, Sheila, that I'm tired of this, oh, there's a loophole with the safe third country agreement. Namely, if you don't cross at a legitimate border crossing, say the Peace Bridge in Niagara yeah. Falls, you can get in as an illegal alien at a, an irregular border crossing. Well, no, not if there was some political will from Justin Trudeau. All he had to do was put up a fence and yeah. say, no, we're, you're not coming in. We're not carrying your luggage. But this was politics for Trudeau. It goes back to when Trump was in power. It was Trudeau virtue signaling that we're the kinder, gentler refuge uh, for you. And yet, Sheila, when Biden got into power, you'd think that nonsense would end. But no, it, it carried on. And I'm beginning Wait. to wonder, is the only reason it took effect at Saturday midnight was the fact that Trudeau wanted that photo op with Biden? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah, what a disgraceful way to run a country when it comes to border security. Well, they said, oh, you know, it's an irregular border crossing, so we can't turn them away. It's a loophole in the law. No, as you rightly point out, they could have built a fence. But you know what they built instead? Millions and millions of dollars of police infrastructure right at that yes. exact location. They brought in police infrastructure, put up tempor well, temporary buildings. I'm like, why the hell couldn't you just put up a fence? Like a fence, something that makes it a little bit more difficult. At least they have to jump over it before they get into the country. We didn't even do that. And now the um, the liberals have agreed to, oh, my video feed keeps freezing up at the most inopportune facial expressions. <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, the liberals have said that they are still going to take in migrants, 15,000 of them, asylum seekers, but we're going to do it through regular points of entry. So RIP, anyone traveling through Pearson or Montreal's uh, Trudeau Airport, because it is going, they're already terrible airports to travel through. And that's thanks to the liberals who have somehow managed to destroy the aviation industry over the last three years. But it's only going to get worse because what you're going to see in the coming weeks is people who are just flooding into those airports because you want to be one of the 15,000. And so it's just going to cause a deluge, I think, I predict, um, in those airports. And they're just going to keep coming because what happens is you get to a point of entry, you claim asylum, and then they say, okay, show up 18 months from now at your asylum hearing. In the meantime, get in here, you big lug, get into the country. And so you're expected to return for your immigration asylum hearing. Some of them never do. Um, but in the meantime, they, they're just in Canada and, and, you know, we have to commit resources to these sorts of things. And as you rightly point out, it gobbles up the resources and it sets people who are doing things the right way back in the queue. And it's like, I don't know if you've seen Alexa Lavoie's, well, I'm sure you have some of her streeters on this, 
it's usually new Canadians who are saying, this is garbage. I yep. did everything right. This is, this is crazy. It's just like the uh, Chinese community, the expat community in the lower mainland of BC. They're the ones who are the most vocal against Chinese meddling and anchor babies and all those things. They're the ones who are bringing forward the motions at conservative party um, AGMs to try to get motions drafted. Um, so that things become party policy. They're the ones doing that. And then they're the ones also being accused of racism by Justin Trudeau. No, it's par for the course for the Trudeau liberals, uh, Sheila. Um, reward the takers, penalize the makers could be yep. the Liberal Party of Canada slogan. And meanwhile, once these 45,000 plus refugees get here or economic migrants is typically yep. the case. Yeah, because I'm pro-refugee. These are not refugees. Exactly. You know, these are uh, queue hoppers, basically. And where do they end up? Well, Toronto and Montreal are the most popular destinations, but the shelter systems there are at uh, the breaking point. So the feds move them to Cornwall, Windsor. And this is the one that I, I just, it staggers me, Sheila. Niagara Falls, the number one tourist city in our great dominion. And there's a... Uh, I think a capacity of about 16,000 hotel rooms. Initially, it was 2,000 rooms were taken over for the illegal aliens. Now it's 2,500. It's gone up yeah. another 500. Um, that is more than 5,000 um, migrants because it, typically two or three people reside in the room. And then you've got $75 per day um, meal no, allowance. No, it's more than that. It, well, yeah, it's more than that. I don't know if you saw the order paper question that I, I think I wrote it up or I did a video on it on Friday. Oh. Um, yeah, it's uh, up until the end of the year, it was 2,500 roughly migrants. The Some of them are staying in these hotel rooms. This is not a short-term accommodation. They're staying up to four months in these hotel rooms. It's 100 and I think 35 to $37 a day. Um, $60 on food, like it, it's a huge drain. And in that same order paper, the feds have transferred $0 to the Niagara region to deal with this. $0. The, the feds are paying for the hotels, but all the um, associated services, uh, English as a second language training, all that stuff. The city of Niagara is just footing the bill for this. But you know, Sheila, I, I don't understand. Of all places, Niagara Falls, I mean, I think about half the population depends on the tourism uh, industry. That unofficially kicks off on the May 2-4 weekend. And, I mean, there's going to be a shortage of rooms when tourist season ramps up. Because I don't think uh, these folks are going anywhere soon. Who thought it was a good idea, of all places, to put these migrants in Niagara Falls? And, by the way, in addition, when Lincoln and I earlier this month went there and um, checked out one of the hotels housing uh, these migrants. Um, you look at you know, other expenses other than meals and, and boarding, uh, clothing, for example, um, yeah. transportation. And by the way, what we noticed is that these migrants, they're not taking public transit, oh no, or, or even an Uber. It's taxi cabs. Taxi cabs yeah. were going in and out of that hotel uh, with these migrants, like, where's that money coming from? I mean, it is just, it, it's like compounding interest, except the reverse. It's a compounding expense. I, I don't even know, Sheila, what the 
final off the lot price, so to speak, oh, is going to no be in, the, in maintaining this program? I don't think you can ever even fully know it because there are all these other things, all the other tabs that are being picked up by the municipalities um, because, you know, it's one thing to be a sanctuary city, Montreal, New York City, although you never really are because you're like, oh, migrants are here. Let's send them somewhere else um, after you invite them there. But I don't think we can ever really know the full tab because then you have food banks picking up the cost and churches yeah. picking up the cost. And, you know, at least those are, are charities, but still, um, charitable resources are stretched so thin in this country. Um, and this is undue pressure, unnecessary pressure being put onto the system. One of the things I found quite interesting in that um, order paper response was that the highest number of migrants occupying hotel rooms happened in July, again, the height of the tourism season, Yep. And December, the other height of the other tourism season when Niagara Falls is really pretty and, and iced over and the town is kind of twinkling. Um, <laughs> the, that's when the, the when they had the highest number of hotel rooms occupied by migrants. Unbelievable. Well, we got to find out what is going on at yes. the border. And I know Alexa and Lincoln are going to return to Roxham Road. Um, because I have a feeling some people are still going to get into the country. Oh, yeah. That's my hunch because yeah. I just don't trust this government, uh, when it comes to, well, any file, uh, to be honest, Sheila, they're, they're not transparent. And, um, I guess it's up to, uh, our dear colleagues, Alexa and Lincoln to see firsthand, uh, what's going to happen at the border. Um, hopefully, uh, these Q jumpers are being turned back and being told to get back in the cab that brought them to the border and back into Plattsburgh. Um, but I'm skeptical. Yeah, I, I also wish, uh, at least on the American side, I mean, it's my dream for someone to arrest these human trafficker cab drivers. But at the very least, would the city of Plattsburgh mind revoking their cab licenses since they're involved in human trafficking? But that seems to be a little bit um, too much to ask from these people. But going back full circle, David, to the point you were originally making, this deal to close the loophole that actually isn't there yep. was struck months ago. Yes, And instead of enforcing it, uh, the liberals left the back door wide open yep. because that way they could uh, get a, a good photo op when Biden came to visit. So they, they thought, okay, we'll put this on the, we'll strike this deal. We'll put it on the back burner. We won't enforce it, but then we're going to announce it to much fanfare to make it seem like we've actually done something when Biden comes. But as it turns out, you just let a bunch of people stream into our country on, and costing the taxpayer millions of dollars, also you can get a good photo op with a feeble, bumbling old man. And, Horrible. And, yeah, who referred to us as China in um, one of his uh, <laughs> remarks. <laughs> is yeah. that a Freudian slip, or is it maybe um, you know what? calling it like you see it, right? Given all the Chinese interference uh, allegations going on. But the final note on this, I think, Sheila for the Trudeau liberals is the unspoken strategy, which I've always felt is change the demographics of Canada. All these illegal migrants that come in, the quid pro quo, so to speak, is, hey, guys, um, 
you were able to skip the line. You're going to become a Canadian citizen. All we ask is every four years, you make a big check mark on Team Red because we're the ones that got you in here. That, I really feel, is part of the agenda going on, Sheila. Uh, by the way, Yankee corrects me. Um, the young man, minor, who killed those two cops in Edmonton, he killed himself. But the point still remains that um, when people are, I think, convicted of violence against police officers, can we at least sentence them consecutively instead of concurrently, please? That yes. is the very least that we should do. Um, but yeah, he was, a, a as the as the media says, a troubled young man, probably red flags all over the place that nobody paid attention to or were too scared to bring up. Um, and he did ultimately kill himself after he ambushed two cops just trying to do their jobs. Shocking. Yeah. Um, well, Sheila, I think we have to take an ad break. And then, oh, looky here, as Joe Biden would say, China meaning Canada, but China <laughs> is still in the news. Um, you know, give give the president a break. Uh, both countries begin with the letter C and end with the letter A. It's completely understandable that Joe Biden would think he's in the People's Republic of China when he was in Ottawa. So let's get to that, Ed, and we'll come back uh, to some more issues regarding the Chinese interference in our elections, allegedly. Canadians know the national anthem. They stand in silence to remember those who died for this country. But not every Canadian knows their rights and freedoms. The Freedom Passport will change that. It looks and feels like a Canadian passport, but contains the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in a portable, easy-to-read format. The Freedom Passport. Order one for yourself and for all the freedom lovers that you love at freedompassport.ca. If you want to look good and shine like me, you can do so at our store. Go to revenuestore.com. On this website, you have so much different style to wear as this one, my favorite one, Justin Castro. With my code Alexa10, you will have 10% off on your next purchase. So don't hesitate, go now and look so good like me. Yeah, I think we have three um, angles on China Gate. Can we call it China Gate yet, uh, Sheila? Can we put on the suffix "gate" to China? I don't know. Too? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. <laughs> but why don't we get to the video? This can't be right. My eyes must be deceiving me. Mark Gerritsen issues a threat. Oh my God! To beat up this is Kevin. He's the dumbest. <laughs> he's the dumbest. You know, I at first I thought no, he's just a rabid liberal with an office full of other rabid liberals. And so that's why no one has taken his phone away and no one has talked sense to him on his staff. Because <laughs> I think part of your job, like staff members' jobs or in and around politicians is to remind them not to say and do crazy things or like to be that like sober second thought. Like, hey, Mark, don't say that. Don't do that. Actually, wouldn't if... You're a crazy person. Would you mind reading from this prepared script instead of ad-libbing like a maniac all the time? Oh, once in a while, Mark does make it into my top five dumbest liberals. And he's been there consistently for about three weeks now, just 
out of control on Twitter and apparently now threatening to beat up a former colleague, literally a former colleague. <laughs> Kevin Wong used to be a liberal and now he's going to beat him up outside the House of Commons. Uh, unbelievable. Before we get to that clip, Sheila, let me guess your top five dumbest liberals. Is um, Seamus O'Regan in number number one still? Number one, number two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, I I think that might be a bridge too far in terms of other liberals outdoing Seamus O'Regan in the stupidity department. But let's check out this video. It's unbelievable. The problem is what party line? The liberal parties or the communist party of China's? I call upon the government to step up and provide strong investigatory powers to the special rapporteur so that Mr. Johnson can unearth names and evidence of foreign interference in Canada and especially in Vancouver and Toronto during the last two elections. Canadians deserve and demand to know what's going on. They want to see concrete action taken to protect our political and democratic processes and institutions from foreign manipulation. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Honourable Parliamentary Secretary. If I understood that member correctly, Mr. Speaker, he just told he just asked and questioned whether I was towing a Liberal Party line or a Communist Party of China line. My response to that member is, let's go outside and say it to me in public where you do not have the uh, <laughs> a parliamentary privilege that you have in this room. Oh, <laughs> oh Sheila. I, isn't this what blackface meant by anti-Asian hatred? When these allegations yeah. first arose, just to criticize verbally um, Chinese interference with, a, with Chinese Canadian MPs, blackface said, you are guilty of racism, you are guilty of anti-Asian hate. And here we have Gerritsen talking about a physical altercation. Everybody knows what that means. Take it outside. What is this guy thinking? What, 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 Sheila, this is staggering to me. I don't know what Kevin Vuong was ever doing in the Liberal Party, by the way. Like, I really, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, he seems like a pretty, like, okay, level-headed guy, not like the crazy people who currently occupy the Liberal Party. Like, his parents were Vietnamese refugees. He served in, I think he's a naval reservist. Um, yeah, he's a naval reservist. Um, he's willing to give his former colleagues in the Liberal Party the business. But you know what? Honestly, I kind of would like to see that fight. Like, like the petty part of me is like, yes, go outside. Go, go outside, Mark. Kevin, go outside and fight. I do want to see that. And I think a lot of our viewers would agree with me. Well, and, and you know what? We can do it via the rules of Queensbury, Sheila. I mean, Blackface himself has stepped into the boxing ring uh, yeah. with an opponent. I'm going back about uh, 10 years now, of course. Uh, what was the name of that senator, the uh, indigenous uh, gentleman, Sheila, that Trudeau, bo Trudeau boxed with and incredibly won? Oh, um, boy. Patrick. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Darn it, Patrick Brazo. That's Pat, right. Yeah, Pat Brazo. Yeah, and um, Justin Trudeau wanted to cut his hair. Boy, afterwards. did did so I gross. lose money on that wager, Sheila? We were heavily promoting that back in the days of Sun News. You can see a clip, uh, Brazo. Like, look, look at those pythons on Brazo. I thought uh, it was going to be an early round knockout. Um, <sighs> 
However, nobody told me that Brazo smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. That'll so, do it. <laughs> so it wasn't That'll a matter of running out of gas. It was a matter of the gas tank falling off the truck uh, yeah. because this guy, like I'm just watching the, the, the highlights here, his only chance was to score a knockout very yeah. early because as this goes on, Brazo's cardio is going oh, yeah. down and down and down. And uh, Trudeau just goes on to rope-a-dope, if you will. Yeah, and I remember uh, one of the things Trudeau wanted to do if uh, he won was to cut Patrick Brazo's hair, which is such a great indignity to be done to an Indigenous man, but Justin Trudeau wanted to humiliate him in the worst way possible. Like, it's one thing to... Well, congratulations! You built, you beat a guy who smokes two packs a day and who arguably had a drug addiction at that very same time. So, <laughs> good job, Justin, a real winner. <laughs> but then you have to uh, humiliate him in the most disgusting, racist way. What a gross man! I, I'd love to get into the ring with Justin Trudeau. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, admittedly, I would bring a foreign object with me. <laughs> Oh, I want to fight Mark Garretson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why not? You know, maybe that can be our next uh, promo. uh, But uh, and I know nothing about boxing with Sheila and Mark Garretson. That's a real winner. (laughs) 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 I'll uh, I'll go watch Rocky for some inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to see you run up the stairs and chase the pigeons. Now, um, here's uh, something. Han Dong, uh, believing, I guess, Sheila, that the best defense is an offense, <laughs> he is taking legal action against Apparently. Global News and its parent company, uh, Chorus Entertainment. Um, I remember I used to go on the Chorus Entertainment radio station, AM640 in Toronto, for, for years and years. And uh, now I'm not allowed to come into the building. <laughs> me too. They just, uh, but they didn't tell me why. They just quit asking me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just, just. No, he's toxic. Don't let him in here. I um, just remember, I was like, God, it's been a while since I did that show. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I okay. <laughs> I get it. They ghosted me a little bit. So, Sheila, what do you think of this? Is this, um, I mean, is there, it has, well, I mean, we have to consider, has Handong been, you know, unjustifiably linked to Chinese interference? Or is he just doing this for so much kabuki theater? Oh, you've hurt me. You've hurt my reputation, my family name. And uh, he knows he might not have a a shot at it, but this is going to try to make him look good until the allegations are proven. Well, he's got to do something, doesn't he? So um, what it sounds like here is, um, and this is related to, what he says is a misinterpretation of a transcription from Mandarin to English mm. on the issue of the two Michaels. So it is alleged, don't sue me, Dong, um, that <laughs> <laughs> it's alleged that he told the Chinese diplomats to keep the two Michaels in jail and not release them at least for a little bit, because releasing them would help the conservatives in the last election. And he is saying that it is a mistranscription from the Mandarin to English. What he called for was an immediate release. Now, I don't Mm. know if 
obviously, I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't speak Mandarin. And none of this actually changes the fact that he was acting as a back channel to the Chinese. What are you doing? <laughs> by the way. And secondarily, yeah. it doesn't change the fact that he had all those crazy nomination issues that caused CSIS to ring the alarm bells in the first place, that caused CSIS to go directly to the Liberal Party brass and say, you guys cannot approve this nomination. There are some crazy, crazy things happening there, including elderly Chinese people showing up with his name written on their arm to vote um, and foreign students threatened to have their visas revoked if they didn't vote for him in the nomination in Don Valley East or Don Valley North, I'm sorry, which uh, was unnecessary meddling by the CCP if they just wanted to get a liberal elected because this was a liberal riding they would have won it if they um, ran a, a sack of potatoes with a red tie tied around his neck. Um, so like a Mark Gerritsen. They, they would have won it if they ran a mush-headed Mark Gerritsen. Um, so they, 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 what's clear is they wanted their guy in that writing yeah. and their guy being this guy. So he can get mad about the mistranscription and well, quite possibly it did damage his reputation because if it is true, I've got lots of thoughts about the kind of person that he is. Um, but um, I don't think any of that changes the fact that the CCP likely meddled to get him into his uh, position as an MP. Yeah, so when Mr. Dong, uh, Sheila, plays the lost in translation card, uh, well, we'll find out. Well, let, let's get our hands on those manuscripts. Let's see what the if this was indeed uh, mistranslated. Well, how does that explain that on two occasions, uh, at the last second, he walked out on a vote condemning right. China for the Uyghur uh, genocide that's going mm. on there? I mean, the only way I interpret that, Sheila, is he didn't want to come across as being uh, politically incorrect, not to the current government, but to the mandarins in Beijing. That's the only way I can read that. I mean, twice he did that. What's the explanation? Well, that's the thing. What is the explanation? And also, um, if we look at the other story that we have on the board to talk about Handong, what's the explanation for this thing? Um, I got to hand it to the guys at the breaker. They do great work. Um, this headline is just <laughs> <laughs> dong dinged taxpayers for trip to meet pro CCP groups and Chinese diplomat in Vancouver. So again, you can, he can sue global into the dirt. Quite frankly, that's one that I hope everybody loses. <laughs> just sue each other until there's nothing left until there's just like a pile of ash where either one was standing. I'm fine. I'm happy with that. But how does he explain this then? So Han Dong, the backbench MP who quit the Liberal caucus March 22nd, charged taxpayers for a trip to Vancouver last summer, where he met with groups friendly to the Chinese Communist Party and socialized with the Chinese diplomat. Um, so uh, Dong, who represented Don Valley North in Toronto since 2019, disclosed a 239173 bill for transportation Jeez, transport, what do, oh my God. Anyways, that's a lot of money for just transportation. Uh, July 28th to August 5th, 2022, to attend meetings with stakeholders about business of the house. Oh, really? Uh, he did not charge for accommodation and meals. Dong's only other travel expenses are for occasional transport between his riding and Ottawa. Uh, so uh, conservative Kenny Chu, who was the Stevenston 
Richmond MP from 2019 to 2021 called Dong's trip to the West Coast questionable. If you're not conducting any committee business or if you are not fulfilling any duty because of your portfolio, then it becomes a, qu- a bit questionable and weird, Chu said, because his writing is Don Valley North, which is quite a few thousand kilometers away from Greater Vancouver. Chu wondered how Dong, who is neither a cabinet minister nor a parliamentary secretary, justified his trip to Vancouver. No kidding. And as we know, Kenny Chu... Conservative MP for uh, that riding, he lost his seat. He and Alice Wong lost their seats to freedom-loving, ethnically Chinese um, conservative members of parliament lost their seats due to Chinese meddling because um, Justin Trudeau allowed it. Um, While he prattles on about protecting our democracy, he doesn't really care about protecting his democracy. He cares about protecting his stranglehold on power. And that's why he was willing to just turn a blind eye to the problems of Kenny Chu or problems in Kenny Chu's writing and Alice Wong's writing and Han Dong's writing. And I think at least 11 others. Yeah. And uh, even though Mr. Dong was in Vancouver, as you said, thousands of kilometers away from his writing of Don Valley North. Sheila, what is it with that writing? Because um, I don't know if all of our viewers know, but the provincial member of parliament, Vincent Ka, he's also sitting as an independent. Uh, guess what? He represents the riding of Don Valley North. But What did you call it? The People's Republic of Don Valley North. <laughs> That's what I am thinking. I mean, but, you know, let's not worry, folks, because Blackface, he's got a special rapporteur on the case. In other words, a Johnson is investigating a dong on this National Viagra Day. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> I, I never should, should have mentioned it. <laughs> I just thought it was so easy. I thought you'd have a lot of fun with it, but now I regret it. The whole day is going to be like this. <laughs> Shall we go to another ad break and then check the file when it comes to, oh, it's just not going away, folks. Transanity. Yeah. Yes, black man. Roxham? Yes. Roxham Yes. Well, mine's a lot clear. Roxham. You came to, to Mexico and did you ask for asylum? Yeah, yeah. Un amigo de nosotros estaba aquí en Nueva York. Se fue para allá y ya le dieron el Stay in your own country. I'm here with a purpose. There is a process to determine whether someone is a refugee. There are steps to go through. Those who are seeking to go somewhere else, not we're pushing or forcing, if they're seeking to go somewhere else, we are helping in the reticketing process. There's so many homeless here, and they're bringing people from other countries where there's people here struggling with mental illness. The issue starts at our southern border, where the U.S. has declined to enforce uh, proper immigration. And you allow them to live in a hotel, but yet the major crisis of homelessness is very, very big. 
So I'm in Roxham Road and I'm waiting actually for Lincoln J to arrive. He just uh, arrived in Plattsburgh and he took a cab. Just like that, I'm in the back of a taxi cab waiting to go to Roxham Road. Why wouldn't you ask that? You're running across the border. You have to go to police or look And of course, uh, that dynamic duo will be going back to Roxham Road to find out what in blue hell is indeed going on there. Now, as we alluded to before the break, uh, well, look at this. Uber woke ESPN, Sheila, is celebrating Women's History Month, and they're promoting it with a special regarding a certain female swimmer. Although when it comes to the femininity, what, were, what was that line the Bee Gees once saying? Uh, she's more than a woman to me. Uh, let's roll this. It's staggering. Yeah. In 2022, swimmer Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I championship by winning the 500 freestyle. The Texas native competed for three seasons on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania. She began her transition after her sophomore season and after a gap year due to the pandemic that forced the Ivy League to cancel all sports. Thomas made her debut as a member of the women's team in December 2021. Being trans is, is not a choice. I didn't have any other choice because not transitioning was not leading me anywhere. She competed amidst criticism from the swimming community, competitors, and teammates. She said she hopes her persistence serves a larger purpose. People will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy. You know, Sheila, um, it's absolutely despicable. By the way, I want to say this about sports reporting. Uh, even in right-leaning newspapers and media outlets, there's something about the sports department. They are all far leftist. They are all uber woke. Uh, they're all down with this kind of thing. And no one dares say anything else. I think they would be shunned. But I want to say, if you think that a biological man competing with biological females is all about diversity and equity and inclusion. No, it's not, Sheila. It's about misogyny. It means you hate women to put that Frankenfem in the same pool as those female swimmers. It's absolutely disgusting. And I'd like to see more sports governing authorities to find their testicles and continue to ban uh, those who are not born female. Uh, this is destroying women's sports. And we've also yep. talked about, I mean, sports is just, you know, playtime. But what about prisons when uh, fake females say that uh, I identify as a woman and suddenly uh, Bubba is Bella. And even though he's 300 pounds with a beard and his muscles galore, he's with the, the female convicts. Uh, I'm waiting, uh, Sheila, and waiting and waiting for the pendulum to swing back into the sanity department. Because even if you are a trans individual, how can you go to bat for this kind of a disgrace? This stuff makes me furious. I think our regular viewers know that I have a, 
an up and coming female athlete in my home. She plays a, a very physical sport, but the day she plays against a boy, she's already played against a boy, but I mean, when she starts playing at a, well, she already plays at a level, but you know, when these boys are getting cut from the boys team and then they go and play on the girls team, yeah, the injuries that these girls in contact sports will face it, their career ending, not, not just career ending, life changing for, for the worse. Um, and they're snatching the opportunities from these hardworking girls who have dedicated their lives to their sport and their skill. And it is always self-described male feminists, which means, um, you know, uh, well, Justin Trudeau is a great example of this. Somebody who, uh, looks for every opportunity to exploit their power, to, um, assault and harass women. Generally, that's what it means. Um, or females who have never actually done anything with their lives, but who trade on victimhood uh, to achieve positions of rank and power. Yeah, Like the lady journalists who complain about mean tweets, and then they end up on panels talking about mean tweets and the rebel news. Women are like, I was assaulted. I was actually assaulted at work. I was assaulted by a cab driver. I was punched out by a male feminist at the women's march. Like um, Drea was ragdolled by um, Justin Trudeau's security. Like, but we don't go on Twitter and whine about mean tweets. So we don't get on these official panels. We just put our heads down, do our work and move on to the next thing while our boss, Ezra Levant, sues everybody into the dirt. Um, but it's, it's always women who see victimhood as a virtue who promote these crazy ideas. You look at Riley Gaines. So she's a swimmer from Kentucky. She's the really the most outspoken person against Leah Thomas because she is one of these women who will end up number two on the podium behind this guy. Um, Riley Gaines over the weekend tweeted that Leah Thomas is not brave. She is not a brave, courageous woman who earned a national title. He is an arrogant cheat who stole a national title from a hardworking, deserving woman. And she says the NAA or the NCAA is responsible. If I was a woman working at ESPN, I would walk out. You know what, Sheila? And that was my fantasy during the whole Leah Thomas fiasco of this man competing with those women. What I was praying would happen, and it didn't happen, unfortunately, is you see all the swimmers lined up, the starter's gun goes, Leah Thomas dives into the pool and all the other biological female swimmers, they just walk to the dressing room. If they did that meet after meet after meet, race after race, you know, would that farce be allowed to continue? But I'll tell you why that probably didn't happen, Sheila, because all those real females, what do you want to bet with the woke university crowd They'll be would suspended. be branded as transphobes? Because that, you know, like I said, this is not anything to do with transphobia. This is pure misogyny if you think that a biological male should compete against biological females. And the results, uh, that it tells the story, doesn't it, uh, Sheila? He slaughtered those biological women in the pool. But you know, the funny thing is, look at those times uh, he racked up. Uh, he's in the middle of the pack at best if it was a men's uh, collegiate swimming race. So again, it's a man who is a loser in the male division, but becomes a winner in the female division 
simply due to biological advantages, you know, greater muscle mass, better cardiovascular, you know, you go down the list. And I know, yeah. uh, you know, the, the apologists say, well, you know, they're, they're, you know, they take, uh, you know, hormone shots to, to lessen the advantage. Not still, if you were born a male, you have an inherent advantage, period. Sure you do. Yeah. Sure. You have, especially if you've gone through testosterone puberty, your lung capacity and your heart size way bigger, um, bigger bones, bigger muscles. Like it's just, it's insane that the people who keep telling me to follow the science are telling me that this is perfectly fine. Um, it, this, uh, it, it's, it leaves me at a loss for words. Because I don't know, like, like people want me to disbelieve my own eyes when I see stuff like this. And I think the reason that some of these girls, well, all of these women are not walking out and refusing to compete is a lot of them are swimming on scholarships. Mm. And so they get suspended from the team. They lose their scholarship. They, for some of them, they'll lose their opportunity at a really good school, which sets their career outside of swimming back. Um, so, I mean, these women are between a rock and a hard place right now. They can say, okay, well, I can, I can refuse to compete against this guy because I'm definitely going to lose because the game is fixed. But if I refuse to compete, then I lose my scholarship and I get kicked out of school. And then what? So um, what a horrible, horrible manipulation that they are doing to these uh, female athletes, forcing them to participate in their denial of reality. And, and Sheila, there is a solution to this. As Linda Blade and Barbara Kay write in their book about this debacle that we're seeing right now, um, have male division, female sure. division, which was twas ever thus, with the exception of equestrian and auto racing, and then have the other division. I yeah. mean, yeah. So if you're a it male identifying as female, a female identifying as a male, you know, anything goes, go in there, you know, e that's, even, you know. That's what I mean. It doesn't even have to be yeah. perceived as segregation. Yeah. You want to be trans, be trans. I don't care. I, I really, I don't care. Don't use the government to make me care. You don't care about me. I don't care about you. We're great. Um, but have it a mixed, like a co-ed whatever. If you are a female athlete who thinks she's powerful enough to compete against the men, great. Go in the co-ed. If you're a man who's, uh, wants to <laughs> have an unfair advantage, fine, go in the co-ed. If you are, if you think you're transgender, if you, whatever, go in the co-ed, who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. there's a solution for all of this. They just refuse to do it because they want to have the rest of us participate in this denial of reality. And, and you know, Sheila, I got to be honest, if you were a female athlete, a biological female, and you're transitioning into male, yeah, enter the male uh, division. Because if you can win as a biological female going against biological males, uh, you're Wonder Woman, you're Power Girl. But you don't see it happening the other way. And that makes the point, doesn't it? It's just a yep. one-way uh, advantage for males transitioning to females. And that shows you that the biological argument uh, is solid. Yes. Uh, let's move ahead to just one more thing because we're quickly running out of time and um, I, uh, I'm i filling in for Ezra today. So I, <laughs> my day is a little tight. Uh, yeah. This one I thought was kind of fun. Um, apparently, 
crazy people on the internet, again, on the issue of denial of reality, want me to believe and other women like me to believe. And I think maybe this is like a, a Gen X woman, older millennial thing where you might agree with me. The crazy people on the internet want us to believe that men look more masculine when they wear makeup. This study shows. <laughs> I, I just, I can't even believe this stuff. Like, and I think as I get older, my taste in men, like what I find attractive is hardening a little bit. And it is definitely hardening against uh, this stuff. And like uh, the pretty, the it's hardening against pretty. And I don't know if it's because of the job that I do and the news that I consume, but I am really like, this does nothing for me. But um, one study, one study, I would love to know who they asked. Let's see if we can find that out. Has found that men look more masculine when they are wearing makeup. Unless it's camouflage face paint, I'm not sure I believe any of this. The findings showed that male faces were rated as being higher in attractiveness when presented as wearing makeup as well as having increased perceived masculinity. These things are incompatible. What are they talking about here? So wearing makeup, but also having increased perceived masculinity? I guess it's time to get the guy liner out in full force. The study, originally published in PLOS1, set out to examine whether the positive effect of makeup in regards to women can also be extended to male faces. To go about answering the question, researchers... Oh, I wonder what kind of grant they got for this. Researchers Carlotta Batris <laughs> and Hannah Robinson got together a group of 20 men who they photographed twice. I think it should be whom they photographed twice. The first shot showed the individual without wearing any cosmetics, while the second showed the same man donning makeup that was applied by a professional makeup artist. Uh, Karima, uh, Karima, Christina. Karima was told to sort the 20 men out with some super subtle makeup without making it too noticeable that they were wearing it. Uh, see, this is a garbage study. The paper details that she was instructed to increase skin homogeneity, decrease facial contrast, and accentuate the bone structure without it being too obvious that the targets were wearing makeup. Thinking no makeup, makeup look. Okay, so this, they, this is garbage. So what they did was they just applied, instead of hitting the filter button when you're taking the picture, <laughs> they did it with makeup to even out the skin tone, but it's not like the guy is wearing blue eyeshadow or lip gloss or blush or mascara, what they did was even out the facial features using things that didn't look like makeup. And then they they pass it off as an article saying men look more attractive, I don't know, wearing blush and concealer, which is not actually what the study found. But some men on the internet are headed to the shopper's drug mart right now, thinking that this is going to get them the well company of a lady. Well, Sheila, I might have to take a contrarian opinion uh, here. I remember way back in 1990, I attended WrestleMania under the roof at Skydome. And okay. the <laughs> ultimate warrior who wears facial makeup, he beat the Hulk, sir. He beat Hulk Hogan for the title. So maybe yeah. there is something to this makeup and masculinity connection. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's the road warriors. There's Sting. I mean, for sure. There, there, there are places where I'm like, yes. Yes, yes, guys wear makeup. Yes, all the time. Um, but uh, this is not what they're talking about. They literally uh, used make uh, like TV, subtle <laughs> TV makeup to even out a guy's features for a photograph. But if I 
get up close to a man and I see that he's wearing makeup out in the real world and he didn't come out of a TV studio, I'm viscerally already like on the verge of being like a little bit heebie-jeebied out. I just don't like it. Maybe women agree with me. Maybe they don't. Maybe I'm just a particular kind of woman, but um, this does nothing for me whatsoever. <laughs> you, you, you know, Sheila, you know what it reminds me of your comments is um, there was an episode of Sex in the City where one of the characters, she meets this guy and she's lamenting like he's so perfect. He's he's into gourmet cooking. He's into interior design. Uh, he keeps himself in excellent shape. So her automatic assumption is that he's gay. And then yeah. to her shock, he asks her out. He's not gay. And he invites him her over to his condo to cook her a fabulous gourmet meal. And the condo is like something out of Ma Martha Stewart living. And she's thinking, oh my God, he, this straight man, he's so into his feminine side. It, it's just wonderful. And then what happens is a mouse runs across the floor. And he jumps up on a stool screaming, get it away, get it away. And suddenly <laughs> all yep. that femininity that she was appreciating, he went a little too far <laughs> into the X yep. chromosome territory and the date was over. So yeah, makeup on a guy, um, I guess unless you're boy George or a professional wrestler, not a good look. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And like I said, as I get older, my opinions and emotions around these sort of things are they're hardening <laughs> off quite a bit. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I think, I don't know. Do we have any chats to get to at the end of the day? I'm not sure. Oh, we have really? one from Fraser. Yeah, okay. we have one from Fraser McBurney. Um, Fraser gives us five bucks. It says, David, you're old enough to remember when in the Olympics, the winner in the first five were tested for male hormones. That would end this BS. Yeah. 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 Because in the olden days, in the before times, the olden days, so like three years ago, <laughs> we considered testosterone a performance enhancing substance. Exactly. But now we're just like, oh, you went through testosterone induced puberty? Get in here, lady. Oh, <laughs> you're, and, you're one of the girls. And, and by the way, Sheila, when I suggest that other divisions, so you have male, female, other, uh, it's not only trans. It's if you want to take steroids, no problem. You want to take human growth hormone, no problem. If you want to bring um, foreign objects into the ring, I would tune in to that, Sheila. It would be like a gong show for the 21st century. Oh, I would watch. <laughs> I would watch for sure. <laughs> like 100%. <laughs> Um, I think, I think we're all caught up unless there's oh. anything on the list that you want to talk to talk about David, that we didn't quite get to. Oh, this one thing. And I know we're at time, but a little bit over. And I want to say, um, that I was very proud of myself and I gloated in the morning meeting because <laughs> it is one of the things that I live for is beating black locks to an article <laughs> when the and order paper questions work. come in, they do great work. They're yeah. like a shoestring budget skeleton crew they irritate all the right people in the parliamentary press gallery i am a fan of black box and that's why i like to be at least when i can be as quick and good as they are so uh, when the order paper questions come in i'm just like i gotta write them up right now i gotta write them up because i know that black locks does their writing like early hours of the morning for publication and so if the order paper questions come in later in the day 
It's a Sheila exclusive. So anyways, <laughs> last week, <laughs> last week, I drop whatever I'm doing, by the way. I don't care if I'm supposed to be in a meeting with Ezra. I'm writing up that order paper question so I can beat Blackbox. So um, it's about the Sharmel Sheikh hotel room. So Sharmel Sheikh was where it's the Egyptian resort town where they held the latest UN climate change conference, what they call COP27, I believe, the conference of the parties. But it's like the UN climate shindig party that they have. That's why they have them in resort towns. Um, so anyways, uh, on, on Friday, the order paper response came back about like how much money they spent on uh, hotel rooms and stuff. It was over a million dollars on hotel rooms at some of these places. And um, one of the resorts, according to Black Blocks, who did more Googling on the hotels themselves than I did because I was just rushing to beat them. Um, one had 13 bars in, <laughs> in it. <laughs> Um, and, uh, as you can see, I had to do the American conversion because some of the amounts came back in, uh, American dollars, $1,500 and 50 cents or $1,550 per night for some of these hotel rooms in Sharm El Sheikh. These were not like, they're not staying at the Econa Lodge. Um, and it broke, like I got that back the day that it broke that Justin Trudeau, was was the guy of course he was that stayed in the six thousand dollar hotel room to attend the queen's funeral so i'm just curious which minister or bureaucrat stayed in that fifteen hundred and fifty dollar hotel room yeah and, and sheila i'm glad you mentioned uh blackface's hotel room in london because i'm wondering if a fifteen hundred and fifty dollar a night hotel room is that much of a scandal anymore? Blackface has set the new benchmark, $6,000 a night. Well, <laughs> complete with your own private butler, if you can imagine. So uh, these guys look like um, they're almost Motel 6 uh, people uh, by comparison of the uh, the, the standard our, our prime minister has set. But you know what? Whether I was a political official or a bureaucrat, Sheila, um, if I had that role... I wouldn't have it oh. in me to no. bill that to the taxpayer. I think this is so much chutzpah, so much sheer unmitigated gall that I couldn't live with myself. But these people, they have no shame, do they? And 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 the the, the fact that this is a, a climate change uh, conference and it's in Egypt, what do you want to bet the air conditioning was on full oh. blast, that their limos were idling, because God forbid any of these beautiful oh, people get into a, <laughs> a, a limo that's over room temperature. Uh, so, you know, we keep exposing this year after year after year, Sheila, and they don't change their behavior. Uh, I, I don't know what we can do to bring about uh, behavior modification, because this is our money going to this lavish, uh, these lavish conferences. Do you remember way back in 2016, it was when I was actually allowed inside these conferences? Oh, yeah. I was But well, you insulted somebody. I, well, yeah, I gave, uh, <laughs> I just asked somebody. You wounded who was, for everybody, Sheila. I did. I did by doing journalism. It was unacceptable at these UN climate change conferences. I asked somebody like how they got there. Like basically- <laughs> Did the taxpayer pay for you to be here and spread your belief? It was uh, indigenous chief from uh, Southern Manitoba, I believe, yeah. going there and saying about how the oil and gas industry is bad for indigenous people. And I was like, 
I would, I would, really? <laughs> really, the single largest job creator for Indigenous people is oil and gas and mining, and there are incredible partnerships with industry and uh, First Nations groups that are helping people get out of generational poverty. Mr. Southern Manitoba, we have no oil industry. What would you know about this anyway? Um, so I asked a prickly question, and his press secretary ran and locked herself in the bathroom. Is the, <laughs> that's basically the, the crux of the conversation. But after that, I was banned from, well, and all of us were banned from being inside the UN climate change conferences. But that one time that I was there, the amount of hypocrisy was overwhelming. Now, from the outside, you can always see how they leave their buses and limos idling all day long. Rain or shine, hot weather or not, um, it, that's how it always is. They just leave them idling and like they don't think anybody's going to notice. And of course, yeah. they don't think anybody's going to notice because they ban the people who are not true believers. Yeah. But when it was allowed to be on the inside, one thing I immediately noticed was just how friggin' cold it was inside the buildings because it's Morocco. They built this like little tent city in the desert and all you like you could you'd have to yell to talk to people like to our call, like our two rebel news colleagues that were with me at the time, you'd have to yell because of the droning of the air conditioning. I left there with a cold because I froze the whole time. My nose was constantly running because the air conditioning was turned up so high and you went outside and you're like, am I in a blast furnace? Are they making steel around here? Because you would go outside and it was just like hot air just blowing in your face because you're in the desert in Morocco. But on the inside, it was like an ice box. Unbelievable. But all, all the climate change true believers, they were comfortable. No, and fine. you know, Sheila, when uh, producer um, Justin and I went to Morocco for a UN conference, I think it was on immigration that one was, yeah. uh, I can't verify your story because we never got into the venue uh, as Sorry. the nice lady <laughs> as the nice lady vetting us said uh, your government is denying you credentials so that's where it ended but I can say oh boy did we ever see endless examples of SUVs that are capable of seating seven or eight people only being used to cart around one bureaucrat or diplomat and always idling always so that it was a beautiful air conditioned temperature in the hot Moroccan sun. So uh, yeah, it's, they don't practice what they preach. They are absolute hypocrites on, on every file. You know, that's another thing when, um, when Efron and I were in Poland for the climate change conference, which was fun because the Polish government plunked out right next door to the coal miners museum and at the coal miners marching band open the event just to say like, we'll take your money. We'll definitely appreciate the 60,000 climate scolds coming to our town in Katowice, but we're not going to play your games, yeah. <laughs> which is what Poland did. Um, pretty based as the kids say, but if you walked around and saw the uh, installations because like all over the city they have these like this is how you could live and have like a low carbon footprint um, so they had like these houses made of straw what I know it? that fairy tale it doesn't pigs? end I was going to say it doesn't end well for the pigs involved um, but basically saying like you can have straw insulation you don't need to have like fiberglass insulation and so there, there are other like low carbon ways of doing this but if you went around the back <laughs> of their little installation the thing was being heated by a well diesel or kerosene probably kerosene in poland 
frost fighter. Like the thing that they, uh, my husband's got one in the garage, but it's like the thing that they use to defrost planes in the high Arctic because it just like cranks out so much heat. Um, and it burns like the dirtiest fuel, like <laughs> kerosene. And that's what they were using to heat their little buildings while they faked that the buildings were just being uh, passively heated and then kept warm through straw insulation. Unbelievable. I, I remember that trip. W was that where super producer Efren almost got frostbit uh, on he his He didn't dress for the weather. Uh, he was I was like, dress he dressed warm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, buddy, dress warm. It's cold. It's Poland. Like Polish immigrants came to Alberta because the weather conditions were quite similar. It was an easy adjustment for them. So I was like, it's not nice. We're going in November, early December. Um, we're like, shoes proper boots and like a warm yeah. jacket and like day one right off the curb into a slushy puddle i'm like oh it's gonna be, be a long five days for you friends <laughs> where's global warming when you need it eh <laughs> oh that was the thing too it's like every day we'd go down to the climate change conference and you'd be filming in a snowstorm <laughs> unbelievable well sheila are there any more super chats to go or yeah, we've got one more. Okay. Um, one from Court Mocker on the issue of uh, transgender kids, I suppose. Jazz and Jeanette Jennings. If this isn't the most horrifying story of child abusing mother transitioning a child, I don't know what is. So that Jazz Jennings is, I am Jazz. I blame Oprah for all of this um, because Oprah uh, enabled this Munchausen by proxy yeah. mother in her ongoing medical child abuse of whatever poor jazz's name was in the beginning. Um, but uh, jazz is uh, like, it's, I, I don't want to pick on jazz because jazz was transitioned like at four or six by her attention seeking um, mother. And then uh, Barbara Walters and Oprah Winfrey normalized this. They said, Oh, you know, like, look, look at this mother's love. This is uh, like, this is a groundbreaking thing, you know, like look at this expression of love and tolerance. Well, now jazz is dealing with feelings of, uh, oh. of feeling like in the wrong body. Like it's just a, an absolute nightmare. Um, well, Barbara Walters, do we have the audio of this? She, when she's talking about this, this is the absolute worst how she talks about it because you preface this now with what jazz is suffering now. Um, I think, I don't want to say we're lucky Barbara Walters is dead, but um, she has a lot to answer for. Mm. Do we have that Good on you? Evening. They are the words that any parent would want to hear about their daughter. She is such a remarkable little girl. For a girl named Jazz, the word remarkable doesn't begin to cover it. At just 11 years old, she has taken what most children and their families would regard as a terrible secret and brought it smashing into the open. She is the brave and beautiful new face of a child born in the wrong body. Describe jazz to us. Vibrant, happy, full of life, self-confident, beautiful, glowing. Feminine? So feminine. She wears pink cleats on the soccer field. Do you like my new bra? And padded bras. She not only dreams of mermaids, she swims like one. If you didn't know it, would you believe this 11-year-old girl was biologically a boy? 
let's get this straight, Jazz. Are you a boy or a girl? I am definitely a girl. Like, that's all I consider myself as. I'm sorry, I know I never do anything with my hair, but... Jazz is transgender, a boy living as a girl. I have a girl brain and boy body. Hi. When we first met Jazz in 2007, she was only six years old and one of the youngest documented cases of an early transition from male to female. We'll say things good. Like so now, I think 10 years out from this, maybe a little bit more, I think it's probably, I think Jazz is around 20-ish maybe. Uh, Jazz is, I would think she's on a fast track to being morbidly obese. She suffers from binge eating, um, expresses concerns about not feeling like herself all the time. And I'm using the, the female pronouns here, so don't write me letters. I'm just, it's easier than just switching back and forth. Um, uh, not feeling like herself, struggles with depression, not satisfied with the medical transition because nobody ever is because you just cannot create that which nature did not give you. Uh, and the mom saying weird things about I'm going to, I, you know what, I'm not even going to say it um, because it just, it's, it just makes me anxious. It makes my stomach a little bit gross. Um, but um, like, it's just now at the time, everybody celebrated this. And yeah. then they had their own TV show and this happened in front of the world. And instead of just letting nature take its course and having a child sort out their um, dysmorphia issues, as these things tend to do, if you let natural puberty take its course, now we've got a deeply damaged young person who cannot undo what has happened to them. And you can see in the binge eating, in the depression, that this was a mental crisis that yep. never should have been subject to medical intervention and it's terrible and uh shame shame on the mother and everybody who enabled this along the way shame on this i agree sheila but you know in certain cir circles what you just said you're being called a transphobe and a bigot and a hater i know but you're not um uh, this is this is a tragedy and this is why i think it's so despicable this ongoing fetish, I can think of no other word for it, of drag queen story time. You know, normalizing cross-dressing and transgenderism to kids that are in grade three, for goodness sakes. I mean, um, and I don't understand really, Sheila, this obsession that community has with young people. I just don't. It's Munchausen by proxy. You know, it's the same as making your kids sick so that you can get attention as the caregiver of a sick child. That's what's happening here, at least with, I think, this mother. This is my opinion. Um, after seeing, you know, more I Am Jazz than I care to admit to watching, just with horror, um, and seeing, you know, Jazz's latest statements and, you know, watching Jazz on Oprah and Barbara Walters, the mother was attention seeking. This was the mother's vehicle to fame, fortune, um, and attention. And here we are uh, for all of it. The child will pay the price. And I'm just uh, people who think that I'm some sort of hater. I have nothing but sadness and, and compassion for jazz. I think it's it, terrible what has happened here. You know what, Sheila? I think you're right. And I think 
we always question who are these parents bringing their kids to these drag queen story hours? And I think these are parents who are saying, look how woke I am. Look, yep. look at my yep. virtue signaling. Look how yep. hip I am and how I'm down with radical transgenderism because that's the cool fa flavor right now. That's what I really think's at play. It's it's selfishness on the parents' behalf. Yeah, you know what? I wish these parents would just get a love is love t-shirt and leave the kids out of it. Like if you need to wear your politics as an accessory, I get it, I do too. But please yeah. don't, expo like leave the little ones out of it. Just leave the little ones out of it. So Jazz was transitioned as a little one, socially transitioned, then medically transitioned. And now we've got a real problem on our hands. And I just, if, the mother had just, I don't know, dyed her own hair blue and left kids out of it. Um, I think we would have, this would have been a different thing, but here we are. Yeah. Well, Sheila, I see we're at we're 20 minutes up. past the hour and I know you've got to uh, prep for uh, your guest hosting of the Ezra Levent show tonight. So we better sign off. Uh, thank you to those who made a donation. Uh, it's much appreciated. Thank you to Efren and Olivia, our super producers behind the screen there. And of course, thank you to the She-Devil herself. I'll be back here tomorrow. Are you with me tomorrow, Sheila, or is it someone else? I can be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll be back here with somebody tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane. Finally, I encourage the president to remove vaccine mandates on Canadians crossing into the United States. The U.S. government no longer requires a vaccination for its own citizens to cross the border. Canada allows Americans who are unvaccinated to come here. There are millions of good, decent, honorable people who, through a personal medical decision, are discriminated against at the border. And I encouraged uh, the president to lift those restrictions to allow them freedom of mobility across our southern border. Uh, in essence, what we have to do is bring it home for our country bring home our jobs, bring home our industry, bring home our paychecks, bring home security, and bring it home for this country. Thank you very much.